0: Welcome to Learn Easy Cast, episode seven, yeah. Hey Rico, how are you doing?
1: Hey Pat, doing well, uh, considering everything that's going on of course, but can't complain.
0: Yeah, same here. I mean, uh, as uh, always, uh, we like to start by talking about what's on our mind, you know? Uh, And uh, right now, COVID-19 is still on my mind because uh, as you know, in Germany, Uh, the numbers are going up in terms of the number of cases and in germany especially uh, we've had it pretty good and we were able to kind of live a very relaxed quarantine situation because the numbers weren't too high and i'm kind of worried that the second wave will cause some problems how are things going in denver
1: Yeah, things are going well. You know, we we spoke before the show, of course, and kind of talked about this whole COVID fatigue. I think people are really starting to, you know, just disregard a lot of the recommendations just because it is a hassle to put on a mask. I still do. Even with glasses, they get fogged up from time to time. Same here. (laughs) Um, You know, I think we have to just continue to do what we do. Mm -hmm. Uh, But, you know, what's on my mind, of course, is the passing of Ruth Bader Ginsburg, the infamous RVG, uh, Supreme Court Justice, who unfortunately yeah. lost uh, her battle with cancer and uh, ultimately succumbed to her illness, although she was definitely a fighter. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, she passed on September 18th. And I, I think it was just, it's, it's been great to see her being honored by a lot of people. And I think it's something that for me, it's just um, really important, uh, you know, to recognize her as the as Supreme Court Justice and all of her contributions. But of course, um, as this is 2020, uh, it's an election year. And so for us uh, here in the United States, it comes down to November 3rd and, and you know, seeing uh, who will come out on top, who's gonna come out victorious, whether it's Donald Trump or oh, Joe yeah. Biden. Oh
0: yeah, you're right, uh, you're right. Mm-hmm.
1: But also um, because the president is the person who gets to nominate a Supreme Court justice for confirmation, mm-hmm. uh, you know, Donald Trump is nominating Amy Coney Barrett, uh, a woman to mm-hmm. take place, to take Ruth uh, Bader Ginsburg's place. And so that of course, as anything that has to do with politics is very uh, contentious and controversial. Um, But that's what's really, what's been on my mind uh, this week. I can believe
0: that that's very stressful, um, that transition, because it will be a shift in in government. If uh, Amy Coney Barrett is uh, approved by uh, the Senate, then she will switch the court, the Supreme Court from being um, somehow moderate to being truly conservative. And that may mean that certain legal
1: uh, precedences like Roe versus Wade. Um, yeah, I think a lot of the issues regarding, um, you know, human sexuality and, and the rights of women uh, when it comes to things like abortion with Roe versus Wade and mm-hmm. as well as the LGBTQ I communities and and what you know their law what their rights are uh, with the given laws that exist right now and how those may be interpreted going forward so there, there's definitely a lot that's happening there and so yeah. um, I think ultimately we will find out very soon unfortunately um, just really being rushed in terms of her uh, confirmation mm-hmm. um, and you know I, I've learned about a lot of this you know, yeah. uh, you know for me this is all about learning yes I also want to show you how to learn by interviewing great guests and you know, talking about different tools and resources that we use as, as, uh, as students. Yes. Uh, for me, you know, I love podcasts. I think they're just a great tool, something that you can do um, even passively. You don't always have to actively listen or, or watch if it's a videocast, but you can always kind of have it on in the background. And so for me, it's definitely Democracy Now! It's for those listeners who have not um, had the opportunity to listen to Doc- Democracy Now! It's a Monday through Friday, so daily during the week one hour long video cast, a uh, yep. podcast, you can watch it on the website. You can download the app, mm-hmm. but really it's one of the few independent news sources in the United States. So if you want to listen to a news source that is not funded by the government um, or corporate entities, you really have few opportunities to find news sources that really provide a lot of great in-depth coverage mm-hmm. across broad spectrum. And that's really where I learned a lot about um, Donald Trump's uh, nominee, Amy Coney Barrett, in regards to who she is mm-hmm. as a woman, what her background is, both legally and, and professionally and um, uh, just personally, You know, who she is as a person, what her beliefs are on so many levels. And, and that's what I think democracy now does is it just really provides uh, a great um, view into so many different topics because guests are brought on uh, that can speak to the issues of the day, as well as there's a 15 minute segment of the news headlines. So even if you don't listen to the full hour, I highly encourage people to listen to uh, the news headlines because you get not only coverage from the U S but also the world, right? With things like global warming or COVID um, you know, war and, and different things that are happening around the world. You get a great, great uh, entryway into that whole uh,
0: I think I agree with you Rico because I, I listen to it um uh on a weekly basis and uh Amy Goodman is an incredible icon of of the you know, liberal news media and uh and uh, I think I I've I've I think I've been listening to her since I was a child to be honest my father was into listening to democracy now on the radio as well yeah so that, that's a great tip all right so now we have to head out into our experts corner, where we'll be interviewing our IELTS uh, expert and Turkish to English intercultural expert, um, Alexander Forbes. So I will cut to our recording of
1: that interview. Looking forward to it. And now it is our experts corner where we like to interview experts in the field of education and other areas. And today I'm very excited to introduce to our audience, Alexander Forbes, who is an IELTS expert. Um, He also teaches uh, Turkish to English intercultural communication, pop music theory, among other topics. And Alexander is a native English speaker from southern England. He loves language learning and linguistics and he hopes to impart his enthusiasm across to his students through their lessons. He has traveled in Turkey, where he worked as a a teacher in a school and a volunteer teacher with the Refugee Solidarity Kitchen. Turkish, Turkish is his second language, and so he knows well all the anxieties and pitfalls of language learning firsthand. Using his own experiences as both a teacher and a student, he will guide learners to build their confidence and fluency in English with lessons tailored to their own specific wishes and needs. He looks forward to working with you. So welcome to our show, Alexander. How are you today?
2: I'm well, thank you.
1: Great, thank you. Uh, So, what inspired you, uh, Alexander, to study Turkish?
2: So originally, it came about of a love of languages, which I had from a fairly young age. I experimented with a few different ones. I learned German when I was at school and French outside of school. And as I got older, I picked up my interest in languages again, starting with French um, and started to look at learning them from kind of a new perspective, I guess. And that's when I really start to learn about online resources for learning languages as well. And I saw that there was a big availability of different languages, which I not before had any chance or reason to try to learn. And I at this point, I experimented kind of out of just the, the fun of looking at how different languages formed and even how they relate to English or how their etymology was created. And out of all of these languages, Turkish was one that I played with for a while. And it became the one I stuck with. And I think the reason for that is that it was so different to all of the other languages I looked at before, all of the Indo-European based languages. Its grammar was very different. The sentence structure was very different. It was very hard. Um, And it was rooted in in a different culture. It had a different history. It came from even further east in Siberia and beyond the Altai mountains. And I think it was this, the unusuality of it and how distant it was from my own experiences, that really kind of kept me going with it. And the more I learned, the more I started to learn about the culture of Turkey as well and about both the recent past and the more distant past. and the more I learned about the culture, the more I want to learn the language, the two fed into one another. Oh, great, great. Uh, I'm really
0: curious, Alexander, are there any similarities between Turkish and English that you can point out to the audience?
2: So I think on the face of it, not really. And this is something that I've often struggled with because I've done a lot of teaching to monolingual Turkish speakers. And so trying to, create a system where I can uh, coherently explain the logic of English to someone whose first language is very, very different. It's been a a challenge which I've really faced a lot and I've really enjoyed trying to face. But yeah, that's the difficulty, other similarities. So not not exactly, but I think we can break down uh, languages into the fact that all languages have to face the same challenges. We all live in the same world, we all have to create uh, a system of meaning to describe the things we see and to convey these meanings to other people. So I think when you look at it from this way, you can break all languages down as different solutions to the same problem. So Texture is an agglutinative language, and it uses a system of suffixes to build long chains of words. And you can break these suffixes down individually. They're not words, they're, they're just pieces of meaning, morphemes. But you can do a similar thing with English, and you find that when you start to do this with English, you can almost directly compare suffix to suffix, or morpheme meaning piece to meaning piece across the languages. I found this way was one of the best ways to make comparing sentences, which is actually English, comprehensible for Turkish speakers, because then they can see at least all of the same pieces are there, the real challenge being how to arrange them.
1: So it, it sounds like there, you know, there are some unique challenges when learning Turkish, uh, but I'm really curious, Alexander, how important do you think it is to learn the culture of your target language?
2: I think learning the culture of the target language is really, really important to properly being able to interact and create meaningful and sincere connection in that language. Uh, there's an interesting line by the philosopher Wittgenstein where he says that if a lion could speak, we would not be able to understand it. There's been a few different interpretations of this lion and what it means, but I think one meaning that we can interpret is that the experiences, the life of a, that a lion leads and what, it, what concerns it, where it places its values. It's so different from us that if we were to speak the same language as it, we would still not be able to talk about the same ideas and the same context because we were so rooted in such different lives. But obviously people are are closer than people are to lions, naturally. And so the the level of connection is closer, but I still think that not fully appreciating culture, not fully being aware of cultural differences could be an immense barrier to learning or to properly communicating in that language. Uh, There's a quote from a Swedish linguist called Christina Brath Fausten, you said it's not possible to communicate adequately by simply following the correct grammatical rules of a language divorced from its societal context. And I mean, I think this is very much true, I think. Yeah. That, that learning uh,
0: about a, the culture, right, uh, yeah. is also the way you improve your ability to learn the language, right? It, it, yeah, definitely. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, but, but but when when you think about it, do you feel like um, um, uh, the process uh, kind of um, like the, the, the process of learning the language in, um, kind of accelerates as you get deeper into the culture? Because you, you mentioned that before, I was kind of curious about that. Uh,
2: I I yeah, I think that they feed one another in a way. I mean, I think in two ways. I think as you learn the culture, you learn more how the language grew up because it would have grown up side by side with the culture, it starts to demystify it in some ways. Yeah, yeah, But then I also think something personal which happened to me was the more I felt involved in the culture, the more motivated I was to learn. It, it wasn't just uh, a subject anymore. It's not just these are the grammatical rules that you must learn on paper. Yeah, but it was like, here are their songs, here are their poems. There's uh, a book. Uh, by a very famous author in Turkey uh, called The Dispossessed. It's a book I've still not read. And the reason that I've still not read it is because it was something I'd heard about very early on. Yeah, yeah. But it's full of wordplay. It's this is something that a lot of my Turkish speaking friends have told me that it's very, very complex in how he uses and, and plays the Turkish language. And for me, that became my, my point to aim for. That I hope one day to have enough knowledge of the language and its context to be able to read this novel and appreciate it, even maybe not as fully as a native speaker, but to get an appreciation for for what he's doing with the language.
1: Cool. Got you. And so, um, you know, you spoke a bit about, you know, of course, the the need to really study, you know, the culture of your target language to really, you know, I think have a better understanding. But um, what are some ways or how can we learn about a culture while learning a language? If you can maybe speak a little more in depth about that
2: of course so i think the, the classic one of course is to get involved with things like songs this is a really nice way to begin to approach a language from the point of view of culture so obviously the songs are intimately linked with the culture like turkish music is often even the pop music still use traditional turkish instruments or Spanish and Latin American music have grown up with different forms of dance. So, I mean, they're, they're inextricably linked. So I think that's a great one. And you'll also learn slang and poetic forms of the words and casual terms, which you use daily. I think this, this is a great method to do. And then I think another method which I would really recommend is to try and find kind of cultural similarities with a culture you're more familiar with. Uh, this can be a great way to jump into learning another culture, particularly one which is maybe further away from something you're used to. So, an example I'd like to give for that is that uh, Turkish and British culture, it's naturally quite different from one another. They've grown up in a very different contexts, even on the other side of the continent. But there's a famous novel in Turkey called Yasharna Yasharna Yashamas by a writer called Aziz Nesin. And it's a dark, Satirical comedy. It's kind of a bureaucratic farce. Um, there's a man who grows up, and he's not registered on the uh, the census of population because, due to some mistake, he's considered to have died at the age of 12 in the Battle of Chanakari. Um Consequently, he finds that everything he tries to do is a closed door. He's never taken into school because not being registered on the census means that he can't be taken to school. He grows up like this. His life is constantly hindered by this. He gets to the age of 19, and he's talking to a soldier. The soldier finds out that he's missed his military service. He can't miss your military service. He said, well, I'm not on the census, so I couldn't go. And the, the soldiers fix up for him immediately. You're not on the census. That's no problem. Military service is very important. We'll take you to the military. So he goes into the military. He does his year. He does two years. He does three years. And they say, when, when can I leave? Usually you get automatically processed out. I say, well, we have no record of you anywhere. <laughs> but once again, the bureaucracy hinders him. As soon as the government needs something from him, it's possible. But when he needs something, the book continues in this farcical way all the way through. Yeah. And when I read this, I felt some immediate parallels with some British comedy. That kind of farcical... Um, Uh, what's the word, clumsy kind of bureaucracy. Like Terry Gilliam's Brazil and Monty Python with the Ministry of City Walks. (laughs) And uh, Salmon fishing in the Yemen was another like British comedy novel which is entirely about the same kind of thing, just unyielding bureaucracy. (laughs) And I found that really interesting that two cultures grown up quite separately will have the same kind of satire on the overwhelming red tape of Martian life. Yeah, I got you. I, I mean, got you. Yeah, that's kind of yeah. Yeah, yeah. The, and then there was another set of films as well that were made in the seventies in Turkey. Yeah. Um they're very silly slapstick kind of films, quite bawdy in some ways. And they feel a lot like the British National Lampoon films, like the carry on series of films as well. They are yeah. very, very, very similar kind of elements in them. So I think for me, this is something I'd recommend is you can find these cultural similarities. It's a really nice way to work your way into learning things which are more distant from what you learn
0: yeah, it sounds really uh, uh like an entertaining way to to get into the the, the language in general right yeah uh, I, uh so we're getting close to the end of our little um interview and uh Uh, we'd like you to give our audience a little bit of an idea of, of, uh, I think we've gotten a bit of idea that you like to incorporate a little bit of fun into, into your, your, your teaching. Um, Can you give like a general description of your, your, your philosophy or, you know, in terms of how you go about teaching a lesson or, or a course, so to speak in, 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 in these areas that you're interested in. Yeah.
2: Yeah, of course. So I like to, everything in the context I think as I was saying earlier as soon as I started to feel the songs and the the novels I I felt like I had a real reason to want to engage with it and I want to try and do a similar thing for people learning English a lot of times people are learning to pass an exam or to go to university and I think this is a great motivation as well but I also want them to to want to engage with English because they find something enjoyable about it they they find it more enjoyable if they can really understand the, the films or the jokes or something. So that's something I really try to include. And then the other thing that I would like to include in all of my lessons is I like to recognise what someone finds hard, and to try and find a way for them to to get over the, that difficulty and to really engage with the part of learning a language which is difficult for them. So for me. Uh, I can be very shy about speaking when I first start language, and this, this can really hold me back because I think speaking is the best way to really remember the new words as soon as you start using them, um, they really stay in your mind. So I have to take that extra effort to make myself speak, um, and I think all students have something that they don't like. Maybe it's grammar, but I personally am a grammar nerd, like I, I love to just do the grammar and then overlook other sides of it. But if it's grammar, then that's something I want to not only put a little extra time into, but also try to find a way to make it seem less daunting or less boring, whatever it may
1: be that's holding the student back. Awesome, awesome. This sounds great. Rico, anything else? Uh, Well, yeah, so Alexander, I think people have really had an opportunity to get to know you a bit. Um, You know Your uh, language journey with Turkish, of course, and some of the recommendations you give to you know, make uh, the language um, interesting for you to want to learn, but um, for students who would like to work with you directly, um, you know, when are you available to teach or when could they uh, work with you and and how would they be able to contact or connect with you?
2: Yeah, of course. So uh, now that I've settled down in my new house, I'm ready immediately to begin teaching. I've got a lot of time and I'll be looking into taking as many new students as possible at the moment. Um, So in terms of what I do teach, I do IELTS specialization as well as, uh, training intercultural based English lessons for people coming from Turkey, who are particularly interested in English speaking culture, but especially British culture, okay. so that, that I would base in through learn easy, yeah. Yeah. um, so a network of specialized teachers on learners, of course, but for more general English teaching, I'm also available for that. And people can connect with me across Facebook
0: okay wonderful okay great thank you again for, for your time alexander and uh thank you very much yeah yeah we look forward to to partnering with you over learn easy and uh yeah uh, uh, yeah it was great anything else
1: rico we're good no i think we're good but alexander yeah uh, good luck with your you know settling into your new home and uh thank you for coming on to our show we want to wish you all the best
2: thank you very much for having me
1: So that was a really wonderful interview with Alexander. And, you know, for me, what I took from it, um, apart from, of course, his interest in the Turkish language and and how he has learned it, he spoke about this notion of learning a language in context, right? That you need to be able to find a connection with the the culture. You're not learning in a vacuum. And I think it's really important to highlight um, this word context, right? Because Mm -hmm. like many words, they can be, Use in different ways based on their parts of speech. So when we talk about, you know, context um, versus to contextualize something, I wanted to provide a definition first of context, right? So the parts of a discourse that surround a word or passage and can throw light on its meaning, or two, the interrelated conditions in which something exists or occurs, environment, setting, the historical context of the war, And just to kind of bring this to the earlier segments of Democracy Now, Mm -hmm. one of the reasons that I love listening to Democracy Now is that I think Amy Goodman is an excellent journalist who does a great job of contextualizing her questions so that even if you're not an expert yourself or even aware of a particular issue, she provides a lot of that necessary background information so that you can understand where she's coming from and ultimately why the question is so important. She doesn't pull any punches. She, she asks those hard-hitting questions, but without providing that context or contextualizing those issues, it will be a lot harder for both the guests and the listeners to really get uh, a better understanding of what she wants to know.
0: Yeah, that's a great point, Rico. Uh, context really matters in these tough times when you hear so much misinformation without any kind of background. <laughs> <laughs> and and I, I think that's what we're trying to do here to to help At least our learners to have some background uh, when it comes to finding a teacher for the subjects they're interested in, and we try to give background as well on what interests us as to uh, you being a former expat and myself being a current expat. You know, trying to um, let people know what's going around, um, what's going on in in our lives, uh, and hopefully they can connect with us in uh, a way. Uh, so please uh, look us up on uh, learneasy.com, on our Facebook, uh, Twitter handle, as well as um, Instagram. So is there anything else, Rico, for, for this session, for this uh, episode?
1: I to, yeah, I just want to end on, I think that, you know, yeah. that's really what we want to do with this platform. We want to give you the opportunity, the entree into being able to get to know who your teacher is going to be or to find more about that person's background to see if there's some common um, connection that you might have with that person because when you know if you're going to invest your time uh, and and money into learning something you want to do it with somebody that you really connect with and that's what we want to do with our our platform is provide you the opportunity to really know who the instructor is going to be and and his or her background so we you know and also we're always open of course to recommendations of future guests so that if you have different topics that you want to learn about or people who you think would be good instructors for our platform by all means please let us know yeah wonderful okay Thank you. Uh, keep learning easy, Rico. Ciao. the next
0: time.